I love this brother. Uh, any other elders? Uh, Linda, you're here. Yeah. Teresa, you're still here. Yeah. Clyde's not here. <laughs> Clyde here. Clyde's here. There is Clyde here. Yay. So uh, let's lay hands on this. Yeah, go ahead. Dude. Sure. All right. Um, this didn't make the announcement. Sorry, we're going to take another pause here. Um, we, <laughs> we have a conference coming up on the 19th and 20th, and then th that Sunday morning, um, a couple from back in Tennessee is coming out to bless our socks off, so don't want to miss it. And there you go, Clyde. <laughs> All right. Well, Jesus, we just thank you so much for our pastor here and God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, for what you've put on his heart um, as he talks about the gifts of your spirit. And may we, um, may we just be encouraged this morning and changed into your likeness, Jesus. We thank you so much. Just change us, God, in your name. Amen. 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 Jay, could I get you to... Help pass some of those out. Yeah. And uh, today you've got some notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not much of a typer. I use a drag and dictate speech to text. It's much easier than typing with my hook and beating up keyboards. And so for me to come out with notes up there is a challenge. But what I do is... Um, I work out of my office, and I do have some notes because I think it's important for us to focus on something that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, Joseph, I saw that hand. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so while they're passing those out, I just want to do a quick review. Um, I don't normally do review, but because of where we're going and what we're talking about, I think it's important that we build that foundation and the Word of God talks about being built line upon line, precept upon precept. There is a footing and a foundation that God wants to always build into our lives. Amen? Amen. And without it, the wise man builds his house upon the rock, which is Jesus, the Word of God, Jesus himself. But if we build on the sand, it doesn't work. When the waters come, the rains come, the floods come, when catastrophic things happen, we find ourselves spinning and, and sliding into the, the abyss. And that's not a good thing. So my heart is as we move into the gifts of the Spirit and, and we really go deep into them that you have a healthy footing because there's been a lot of misuse and abuse when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so one of the things that we're focusing on is, is the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, which Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he uses the word charisma. This is just review quickly. He uses the word charisma. Gifts is really translated in Greek as charisma. It's something that God gives us, and it's the ability to manifest his grace, his presence, his power, and his purpose into people's lives that are around us. That's the purpose of the gifts. It's not for us to look good. It's not for us to be, woohoo, look at me. Yeah, that's not what the gifts are about. So he uses these, and, and Paul describes different forms of that manifested grace. And we're going to go a little deeper in that today. But my point is, and I shared last week, is that when these gifts are flowing, they are all manifestations of the extraordinary abilities 
operating through believers by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just so we understand that. If you think you were born with this incredible gift that's outside of any of this, we need to have a talk. Because that's not what the Word of God says. And one of the things that we need to understand is the why of the gifts. The gifts are for special service to the body of Christ. They're to introduce others around us in our circle of influence to God. Paul and the apostles, they preached with signs and wonders. They didn't preach with these persuasive, fancy words. They preached with power. They preached with authority. And signs and wonders showed up. And I want all of you guys have heard my heart many times. I want us all to become a sign that makes people wonder. And I mean that in a healthy way, not a bad way. Like, I really wonder about that guy. No, I want people to just go, man, there's, I love that person. They're so unique. What is different about Bob or Sally or Jimmy or whoever? What is so different about them? I want to go find out. That's a good thing. But there are some prerequisites we talked about. Um, kind of getting a tin canny thing in here. There are some prerequisites that we talked about when it comes to uh, receiving spiritual gifts. One and foremost is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. If, if you want to walk in the Spirit and walk in and with the gifts of God, then you must be a born-again, Spirit-filled believer. Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you enter this realm of the supernatural. The supernatural is our doorway to the miraculous manifestation of these gifts. Amen? That's what this is all about. In fact... Uh, well, I'll, I'll move on because I want to get through this and get on to the meat of what I want to talk about today. But the second thing is knowledge. Now, some go, well, knowledge puffs up. But no, there is an understanding of what's happening. And, and, and Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, begins this discussion uh, of spiritual gifts with a matter of knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 12:1, he says this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I would not have you be ignorant He's not calling them stupid or dumb. That's not what... Ignorant just means a lack of knowledge about something. It kind of sounds derogatory, and in some places, they use it as a derogatory term. But in this sense, Paul is just saying ignorance in reference to the gifts of the spiritual gifts. If, if we have any ignorance or lack of knowledge about spiritual gifts, it will always operate with our inability to receive and to participate in the things of the supernatural. And it really elevates our frustration. Because we just don't understand how the gifts work. But with a deeper understanding, we come to this knowledge where we go, I get it. Now I understand that I don't need to strive for this. I'm simply presenting my body as a living sacrifice. I am a human vessel. Yes, I have flaws, but God, through all of that, trusts me, and he will download those gifts, place them in me to be used through me to bless others, right? That's really what we talked about last week. The other thing we talked about was desire. You have to have a desire to want to be used by God. How many in this room want to be used by God? Yeah. How many have a hunger and a thirst where you get up in the morning and you're like, yes, God, put me in the game today. How many of you, when your feet hit the floor, you're like, oh, man, God, I'm putting my seatbelts on. Here we go. I hope I make it through the day. Yeah, there's a few hands going up. Thank you for being honest. God bless you. You know, if we're to understand God's plan here on earth today, we must know 
about the Holy Spirit. We must understand how the Holy Spirit works. We've got to, and we've got to know him personally. The other thing that Paul really leaned into in relation to spiritual gifts, again, was uh, he, he gives us vital instructions as to how to receive the gifts, and it really does center around desire. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire, the King James says, covet, covet the greater gifts, covet them, really desire them. How many of you have ever coveted something? You know what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love yet earnestly, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Pursue love, yes. He says, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's one of the gifts, the nine gifts listed in the gifts of the Spirit. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound. That means to excel. Seek to excel, what for? For the edification of the church. That's what the gifts are all about. So I wrote in my notes, a true desire is zealous searching. It's a crying out of the heart from a place of deep hunger and thirst. It's a wholehearted seeking that places the most value on the object being pursued. Amen? Amen? That is our review. So let's begin with today. Paul begins his discussion, interestingly enough, of spiritual gifts in his epistle to the Corinthians. He, he begins by explaining how they take on, these gifts take on various forms or a variety of forms. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. Is Clyde still in here? Clyde, could you get me a water or something? Thanks, buddy. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. And I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified because it just takes this truth and makes it go so much bigger. So you all there? You all got your seatbelts on? Here we go. Again, Paul begins his discussion of spiritual gifts and he's talking about how they take on a variety of forms. 1 Corinthians 4, again, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. Now, there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. So who gives these gifts? Who controls these gifts? Who do these gifts belong to? It's, it's, it's important we understand this. But it's in the same spirit who grants them and <clears throat> empowers believers. And there are distinct, distinctive varieties of ministries and service, but it is the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things. But it is the same God who produces all things and all believers, inspiring, energizing, and empowering them. How many of you have ever felt the Spirit of God come upon you and you felt that you were inspired, you were energized, you felt empowered to go beyond the norm in your life? Yeah, a lot of us. That's so good. You know, I wrote here, although the, although the gifts are distributed and operated by the same Spirit, these gifts and ministries and effects are different. And we have to understand that. They work through us differently but they accomplish the same goal. Different gifts are bestowed upon different people in so many different ways. Amen? And let me explain this. So probably one of the biggest examples of that is in the Old Testament. You'll see that there is, 
how the power and the gifts of God, how they function differently in different people. When you think about the Holy Spirit working natural miracles, how about through the staff of Moses? How about through the mantle of Elijah? How about through the physique of Samson? So each story is a manifestation of the Spirit, and it was also the working of a miracle. However, how it worked and how it flowed with each individual was different. But it was still a representation. It still was a manifestation of the power of God. It just was done in different ways through different people. Amen? It's getting kind of quiet in here. You know, when I read and I study about all of this stuff, what really comes to my mind is how creative and how great God is. And all of this is demonstrated in his choosing of variety. Thanks, brother. Thanks. You know, I'm going to paraphrase a few things here. I want to tighten some of this up for a moment. Uh, uh, but I, I guess people ask, well, what's the purpose for the diversities? What, what's, what's really the purpose? Well, his purpose is to reach as many people with his salvation as are willing to receive it. And let's be honest. I have a circle of friends that they know me, they trust me, they come to me, we talk, and you have a circle of friends. And sometimes if you try to cross those lines, it's hard for them to receive from me or it's hard for them to receive from you. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you run in circles with people that you're, like my son Jonathan, he, his church is people downtown. His church is the guy on the street who's drunk and, excuse me, vomiting on him. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to him because he loves people and he gets that close and they get sick on him as he's just loving on them. He has an ability to reach and to go to a people group that a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable with. And some of you have the ability to reach other types of people. That's why God has made us and wired us all so uniquely different. He wants the same message sent. The main message doesn't change. Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. But how it's presented to others uniquely flows different in all of us. Do you guys catch that? It's so true. He offers grace, I wrote here, he offers his grace in different forms to appeal to the vastly different people in the world today. And again, there's some people that I, I can counsel and share with and they listen to others, they're like, you're saying blue and I'm hearing green. But when I find the person that they can connect to, it's different. How many understand that? It's important we understand how different God has created us. But listen, at the end of the day, the diversity of gifts and ministries and operations were never, 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 never intended to promote division or competition through the Holy Spirit. They were tools, and they are tools to unite us, to build us, and to edify us. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. But unfortunately, today, we see people using these gifts to divide them. We see churches built around one gift. It's not good. A church needs to hit on all the cylinders, and for me, it's a whole other subject, but it's the five-fold ministry. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the gift of the, gift of the teacher, the gift of pastor, it all has to be rolling if we're going to have a healthy church. Amen? First Corinthians, Paul, in fact, drives this home with 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a song, each one has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for confusion? No, for edification. 
All things must be done for edification. If they're not edifying, if you're in a place and it's not edifying, you need to get out of there. Amen? The, the second most important thing I need, we need to understand is that all of these gifts are as the Spirit wills. As the Spirit wills. God entrusted, it was his part of his great mystery and his plan, he entrusted the administration and the distribution of the spiritual gifts to one person. That is our helper, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, but one in the same spirit works. One in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as you want? No, as he wills. So the Holy Spirit is controlling these gifts, and it's our duty to desire these gifts. Amen? It's our duty to have a desire and a passion to want to go after these gifts. It's our duty and our desires to make ourselves available for these gifts. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's responsible to divide them according to God's divine purposes. Amen? I hope this is clear because this is like full on just line upon line teaching. I wrote here, all the gifts are strictly under the control and oversight of the third person of the Godhead and that is the Holy Spirit. And he bestows these gifts at his will by his power and his wisdom. If you think you can use these gifts in a way to throw them around, and I've, I've got gifts in my pocket. I got the gift of healing here. I got the gift of here. I got the gift here. Stop it. Just be a vessel. Some of you get so fixated, and I've watched others be so fixated on one particular gift that they're missing an opportunity to serve God in so many other arenas. I can't tell you, my, my heart years ago was, Father, my wife and I, we sold everything we had. That, that, that's our story. I'm not saying that's your story. We sold everything we had to follow God with all of our hearts. We ended up in some wild and crazy and amazing places, but our heart wasn't fixated on one gift. I'm here because I've got this gift. No, we were, we were just saying, God, use us. And as we came as empty vessels and we moved into a situation, whatever gift was needed, by the way, the most important gift needed is the one needed at that moment. So when we came into that moment and we just said, God, we're here, use us, whether it was prophetic, whether it was healing, whether it was faith, God just used us because we put ourselves out there and said, God, use me. Do not get locked in. Do not listen to someone who's fixated on just one gift. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the categories of gifts and how this breaks down at a higher level, and, and we need to pay attention to that as well. We're focusing on the nine gifts of the Spirit as listed in 1 Corinthians 12. So it is His prerogative, the Holy Spirit's prerogative, to give the gifts that are the most suitable for every individual. So stop coveting other people's anointings and gifts and all this stuff. Just simply be a vessel. God, I'm here use me. Have that Isaiah moment where you go, here I am. Send me. Father, send me. And God Amen. will send you and use you like John Wimber would say, as change in his pocket. He would say, I am just change in God's pocket. He can spend me any way he wants. This certainly was the case with the apostles. You know, Hebrews 2, 4, it says, God also bearing witness with them by both signs and wonders and by the manifold powers and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So the Holy Spirit used the apostles 
and he gifted them where they needed gifts. He shored them up in areas of ministry where they needed it. They simply went forth because they knew they were sent ones. And God used them in powerful ways, powerful ways. Guys, you and I, we're only, and if you can, if you can honor this, that we're just simply conduit. We're simply channels through whom the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will manifest his power. And the gifts are not our possession. And they're not for us to do as we wish. Amen? It's to do as he wishes. And if you say, God, use me, you will find yourself standing in places you never dreamed of, speaking forth, calling out, speaking into, raising up whatever is in front of you in the name of Jesus. Wow, you will manifest the charisma of God, that ability to manifest his amazing grace will pour forth out of you in that moment. So think about it this way. The gifts of the Spirit when they're moving, they're only momentary demonstrations of the power of God through us. But again, they're exclusively controlled and administered by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 reminds us that God places us in his body as it pleases him. And he's making us what he's called us to be. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Can we all be eyes? Can we all be ears? Can we all have hooks? No. Just. Are we all feet? Are we, you guys get it. We're not all the same. We're unique, uniquely wired different, and we are different. So in order to accomplish every task that has been set before the church, diversity and multitude and, and varying talents and gifts, all of this is required. But it's important to remember that we have one source of life, and that is Jesus. Amen. We have one will, and we have one purpose. All of us do. And wherever he places you, wherever he places me, let us be content. Let us be effective, and let us be strong in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Quit competing for, quit envying, quit coveting somebody else's gifts in the spirit and how they flow and how they miss. Stop it. Chris Valentin said one of the harshest things I've ever heard him say, and I love that guy to death, but he made this comment how people would come up to him. Now, we're talking a, a different classification of gifting, but it, it applies. People would come up to Chris and say, I want your anointing. Now, you have to understand the history of Chris. He paid a huge price to be able to walk in the level of prophetic that he does. A huge price. In fact, uh, Bill Johnson prefaces a lot of his, sometimes when he's talking about Chris with, if I had not been willing to embrace the weirdness, the toughness, the hardness in Chris, we would have never had the prophetic gift that we have in this ministry today. Chris was a challenge. But Chris goes, when people come up to me and they say, I want your anointing, I want it. Chris is like, are you kidding me? That would make you... A fatherless child, you know the word. He actually uses the word. You're a fatherless child. Ouch! But he paid a huge price to be able to walk in that gift. And you want to just come up and take it? Stop coveting the gifts. Your gift will make room for itself. If God has placed incredible giftings in your life, they will make room for themselves in the body of Christ. You don't have to push your way in. You don't have to elbow your way in. You don't have to push people out of the way. Your gift will make room for itself. Amen? Amen. It's important we understand this. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, Peter addressed the multitude who had gathered. We know the story, Acts chapter 2. 
And Peter revealed that the age of the church, the last days had begun. And he says that the Spirit of God was being poured out on all flesh. Was it just some flesh or was it all flesh? All flesh. And all flesh, I wrote here, cuts across lines of culture. It cuts across race, nationality, class, sex, and age. It also includes the learned and the unlearned. It cuts across all of that. The Spirit of God was poured out on all of us, all of people going into the end of the age. The Spirit of God is here. And I want to say something. Some of you have had some harsh and rude and mean things spoken to you in your life. And I just pray that this would be a moment. It would be like water off a duck's back. That no longer would it cling to you. No longer would the things spoken over you. Because, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that stuff gets washed off of us. And we become a new creation. And we're created in Christ for a purpose. And that is to be a vessel that's being used by him for honor. Amen? In the early church... As recorded in Acts, I wrote, we have an excellent example of God using a well-educated man and also using common men. We had Paul, who was a highly educated man, and then we have people like Peter and John. And it says this of Peter and John. I love this. It says, Acts 22, 3 says, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They marveled. Where did that come from? That came from the power of God. That was the Holy Spirit manifesting himself through them. And it says, they marveled and they took knowledge from them that they had been with Jesus. You want to carry a better message? You want to be heard more? Spend more time with Jesus. Spend more time listening to the Holy Spirit. Spend more time pouring yourself out, getting rid of it, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. I love that word, Gene. It was a great word this morning. And as we get rid of the stuff and we fill it with God's heart, man, we have so much more to give away. So you see, the Holy Spirit is not limited in any way, shape, or form by our lacking anything. It doesn't matter the Holy Spirit. We can be unlearned, simple folk, or we can be highly educated. God will use any one of us in any of those categories. So the spiritual, the spiritual gifts of grace, I wrote, they're not learned and they're not earned. They're supernatural and they originate in God himself. So when we're used in any one of these gifts, it's not because we're more spiritual. It's not because we're more dedicated, we're more holier, or, or we're more sanctified, or, or I am one of God's favorites. That's why God uses me. Are you kidding me? Stop it. You're just simply being a vessel sin, humbling yourself. Humility is such a key to this. Father, just use me. Here I am. Send me. Father, Ernie Stone, I love that guy. Oh, I love that guy. Such a powerful brother. But you know what? He wanted to serve John Wimber and John Wimber's vision. You know what the first thing he did in that church? He cleaned toilets. He cleaned toilets. And in a matter of time, he had a vineyard church planted on Catalina Island. God just honored what he was doing. Guy was amazing, but he simply had a heart to serve and to serve others. Now, let me tell you this too. There is no person who's able to heal, I don't care what they say, or perform miracles apart from the source of all life. And if they are, they're a fake, they're a phony, and they're a fraud. 
You know, it's simply, I wrote here, the individual who, exer- who is exercising faith in the power of God in a particular area and that they're yield to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. It's just simply, again, that heart. Father, use this vessel. If you'll take a look at your notes, your notes now. <clears throat> this is kind of fun. There are most generally accepted by biblical scholars three categories of gifts. Now, it depends on where you had some of your biblical training, maybe where you went to seminary, where you didn't, what you read in the Word. But they most generally agree that there are three categories of gifts. You have the manifestation gifts of the Spirit, which we're studying right now, the nine gifts of the Spirit. There is ministry gifts. We'll talk about that next week. And there are motivational gifts that we'll talk about next week as well. And in here, I put by their definition and function. Now, we're focusing on the the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. We're focusing on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine gifts of the Spirit. By their definition and their function, the nine gifts of the Spirit lend themselves to three distinct groupings. Now, this could could go, you know, in, in terms of how you were taught or trained in the gifts of the Spirit. It could be a little slightly different. That's okay, but I think the premise is still the same. There are gifts of revelation, which when you break down 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine gifts, you'll see gifts of revelation, which are the word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And I give a, I give a kind of a definition and a breakdown of these. There are gifts, the second one is gifts of power, which is faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healing. These are gifts of power. The third one is gifts of inspiration, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Now, prophecy is kind of like the synovial fluid in all of this. And, you know, if you know anything about synovial fluid, it reduces friction between the joints. And that's what prophecy does is it kind of flows through a lot of this. And it just gives us deeper understanding, deeper meaning, deeper, deeper purpose. Let's, these three categories I wrote are distinguished by what God does in each classification. So quickly, the word of wisdom These are the gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom. How many of you have ever heard or received a word of wisdom? Good, good. It's a supernatural revelation of the mind and the purpose of God, particularly in a a certain matter or, or a particular matter. It could be something in the future, but it's a word of wisdom. And if it ever comes out of your mouth where you're sharing with somebody and this thing comes out of your mouth, you go, whoa, where'd that come from? That's pretty smart. That didn't come from me. I didn't know that. That's a word of wisdom. The word of knowledge. It's a supernatural revelation of the existence or nature or a person of a person or a thing or the knowledge of some event past or present that cannot be naturally known. I love this when you're counseling and sharing Jesus with people and God gives you this incredible inside knowledge of some event in their life and you go, could this be because of that moment? And for me, how it works for me is I at night, I don't, I probably dream, I just don't, re- I can count major dreams on my hook. I mean, I, I just don't remember that. But during the day, I'll be talking to someone and it's like split screen. All of a sudden, the summer of 82 is like 35 millimeter clicking away. And God will reveal things to me. And, and I'm able to, when I, and talking to him, go, you know, could this be because of that? And they're like, how did you know that? Well, I didn't know that until the Spirit of God revealed that to me to help you get through this process. 
One of the things I wrote here is, says UCLA, Dr. Campbell. When I was a young boy, <clears throat> most of you know the story, I won't get into all the details, just my testimony, but I ended up at UCLA Medical Center, um, and uh, my uh, grandmother was ward of me at that time, she had custody of me, and there was a Dr. Campbell that we were supposed to go meet, and I was probably four years old, uh, but I remember going down there, and I had been there since I was about six months old, but I remember going in, and we're on the way, and I said, Grandma, Dr. Campbell's not going to, this is his last day. And she said, how do you know that? I said, I, I just know it, Grandma. So Grandma thought I had someone had told me. So she walks in, and we sit down in the room, and anyhow, Dr. Campbell walks in, and she says, so Dr. Campbell, Doug says this is your last day. And he goes, he puts his clipboard down, he turns around. I remember it vividly. He says, how did you know that? I just told them this morning. But that's how God has moved in my life, which gets into some of the ministry gifts we'll talk about next week. God just gives me these insights and thoughts, and it's, I know it's prophetic, and I want to use them for his glory. Discerning of spirits, wow. It's a supernatural ability to see into the spirit world, including sensing and feeling good and evil spirits. Have you ever walked into a room or walked into a situation and you felt something wasn't right? Oh, Yeah. You're discerning something. Your spirit is discerning something. That's a gift that God wants to use you. Walk into a situation where God's going, you might want to get out of here, or you might want to fight this way or that way. You're discerning what's going on. You're discerning the spirit. When my wife and I moved to the Dallas, we knew that God had sent us up there to the pastor that was there for a reason, and we, that was one of those, we're here, God, just use us any way you want. And I remember asking the pastor, I said, why do I feel and discern such a heavy spirit in this area? He says, before I answer that, I want you to go to a place. So he had me go out to the original Salilo uh, Indian village. It was more like just a walk, a pass with some kiosks to look at, with some indentations in the ground. And down by the river, there was painting on the rocks. And you walked down there, and you felt, you felt this heavy, heavy, heavy spirit. I thought, this is really strange. I was with another brother, and I kid you not, there were moments we would hear like, ah, yeah, and then it would stop. And you were hearing like Indian cries and sounds. Broke my heart. I went back and I said, Norm, he was the pastor, Norm Clare. I said, what was that? He said, that is the oppression. That is, that is they were the outcasts. The Salilo Indians were the outcasts of the Nez Pierce, the Yakima, and Warm Springs. They were the outcasts, and they were sent there because they were considered worthless, no good, and they were oppressed and you could feel it. If you walk around this valley and drive around this valley, you will feel pockets. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. You will feel pockets. Your spirit is discerning that something is not right. There is something, whether it's a principality, some kind of, there's something over the air there that's oppressing those people. And the cool thing is, we're called to go into those areas and to contend with that darkness operating in the gifts of the spirit. Gifts of power, faith, a supernatural ability to sustain an unwavering trust in God for personal protection and provisions of needs without human effort. Supernatural ability to receive a miracle. Man, faith. How many have ever, ever seen your faith just skyrocket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure when Clyde and Kelsey go down the river, and I'm sure in their history, a lot of times you saw that. You had to step out in faith. And you trust a God in that. So, 
working of miracles, the supernatural demonstration of the power of God by which the laws of nature are altered, suspended, or controlled. That's pretty explanatory. How many of you have ever visibly seen a miracle? Yeah. How many of you have ever been part of that miracle, laying hands on the sick? Yes. Yes. Speaking to the right crowd. Gifts of healing, a supernatural manifestation of the healing power of God. There are people that just have this incredible faith, and then all of a sudden, they just lay hands on the sick, and you see, it happens. And sometimes it happens in the synergy of a lot of believers moving in the same thing. You usually see that a lot. Gifts of inspiration. This is probably, and I'm not going to do a deep dive into this, this is probably some of the most misunderstood parts of the gifts of of the Spirit, the nine gifts, and that is tongues. A supernatural utterance of the message in a, in a public meeting in a language that is not known by the speaker. Years ago, Alpha Davis, who was part of this ministry, Annie's mom, uh, she would give a message in tongues. But there was always an interpretation of the tongues, of what was being spoken. I, I think a lot of people don't, we haven't, I, I, I haven't heard that in a lot of years. I know it's still out there, but I think there's a lot of confusion. I think there's been a lot of suppression when it comes to tongues, which we'll break down some other time. But the interpretation of tongues, a supernatural ability to interpret a message in tongues without knowing the language that was spoken. My father over at Parkway, when it was uh, somebody's a guy, he would quite often be sitting there. And again, talk about an unlearned man. It's not a derogatory term. My father had about a third grade education. He struggled reading. He struggled writing because his father said, men don't go to school. They work with their hands. He could produce and do anything with his hands. But when it comes to knowledge of writing and stuff, he was stunned. He he couldn't help me with my homework. It really, it was really, in fact, I didn't even take my homework home because I didn't want to shame my father. But he struggled with that. But he would sit there and all of a sudden this message would come upon him and he'd start shaking like he had electricity. He's just like, oh, and then and then he was so submitted to, to the pastor there, and Tensman would say, not now, David. And my dad would just stop. Stop. Or he'd say, now, David. And then my dad would give this word in tongues. My dad did not like to talk in any, front of anybody, but he had this belief in what he was saying was God. And he would give this message, and there was always an interpretation. Always an interpretation. And then with that, we have prophecy, a spiritual, natural, a supernatural utterance in a known tongue for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And again, we'll get back some other time to tongues and interpretation of tongues because that's, that one gets kind of interesting. There's a lot of overlapping here, but prophecy, mm. and the kind of prophecy that we love to see is the simple gift of prophecy. It's, it's words that bring edification. It's words that bring comfort. It's words that bring exhortation. They're not, it's not a word that brings forth... There is a dark mass spinning over you, and tomorrow you'll be hit by a bus, and you'll be catapulted into Medford Hospital. Stop it. That's not what this gift is about here. There is the gift of the prophet, which we'll break down. But the gift of prophecy is simply that. You're the mailman. You're delivering a message that's bringing some kind of comfort, exhortation, and some kind of edification to the one that's receiving. So at the end of the day, the big question is, is why? What is the purpose of the gifts? And I wrote here, the gifts of the Spirit are given for the building up of the body of Christ in order to make her a powerful and influential force in the world today. In the early church, we read these gifts were so prevalent that they said that these have, in terms of the believers, that these have turned the world upside down. They flowed and they walked in the gifts. Nobody talked them out of them. 
They moved in them. There's so much teaching going on today, depending on what camp you're in. You go to one camp, they go, hey, the gifts of the Spirit, come on. That was for a different time dispensation. It's not for today. Come on, just sit in the pew and be nice and, and, and give lots of money and everything will be fine. That's not true. So I wrote here, the day that ordinary men and women truly become channels of God's healing and love to their neighbors and their friends, this is the day that the world will take notice. Ephesians 4 talks about gifts, which we'll talk about next week. And these are gifts that are given, the fivefold ministry is given for one purpose, and that is to help raise up and to come under the body of Christ. And it says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. That's the goal. When the world begins to see us, the body of Christ, the eyes, the ears, the limbs, whatever, all coming together and standing up and becoming Jesus is the day that things really start to change. And I think that moment's happening. Through the gifts I wrote, the church demonstrates the glory of his grace. Ephesians 1, 6 and 12. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on all of us in the beloved to the end that we were first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Our job, our purpose, God's purpose and vision for our life is so simple. I was created, you were created to bring glory to him. It's not about you, it's not about your own personal ministry, although people do have ministries, yes. But it's not about you as much as it's about him and making him known to the world. We are responsible to use what God has given us in the spirit. Paul exhorted Timothy, he said, do not neglect the spiritual gifts within you. Later he says, stir up the gift of God. We need to be reminded, we need to be stirred up in the things of God. If we as individuals, as if we as a congregation of believers, if we do not reverence if, and if we do not cherish the gifts of grace that God has bestowed upon us, I'm telling you, if we neglect them, or if we misuse them, we're gonna see them vanish from our midst. The greatest tools, the greatest resource that we have is to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but if we don't step up to the plate and use them, this world will go around the mountain one more time. The world is waiting for us to rise up. There's a gentleman in the, in the vineyard movement. His name's Bubba Justice. There's a name. Bubba Justice is, is kind of in the, he, I, I, think he, I think he timed out, but he was in the uh, upper administration in the area of finances for the vineyard, making sure everything was financially was strong and solid. And he wrote this. He said, the freedom to exercise charismatic gifts appropriately in the church is essential for the, essential for the church to avoid institutionalism. And then he quotes from an author, John Drain. Anybody heard of John Drain? Not to know one, huh? Interesting. John Drain wrote a book called Introducing the New Testament, but he has this quote in there. He says, as long as the church saw itself as a community founded by the Holy Spirit and held its belief that Jesus was not, in fact, dead, but Jesus was alive, continuing to work among his followers through the power of the Holy Spirit, it did not become an institution. But somewhere in our church history, it shifted because it says here, but it, once it became suspicious of the exercise of the charismatic gifts and because of their misuse, the real presence of Jesus became more of a dogma than a living reality. And it was a short step from there to the institutional church. 
Oh my goodness. I'd never want to see this place become an institution. I want this place to be a living, breathing organism of God. I want people to come through that door and to feel his heartbeat. Feel the love and the grace and the mercy of people around him. I don't want people coming here because we have this huge dog and pony show. It's not my heart. And I'm telling you, we're seeing that more and more in the capital C church. Let's get more flashy. Let's get, let's get tight, skinny jeans, fog machines. Let's really pour it on. I would look terrible in tight jeans. I don't think they would fit. <laughs> and I know they wouldn't make me look skinny. Just, just saying. We don't need any of that. We need the power of God to move through this place. You know, when, when God poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he gave us the church all the power necessary, all of the power necessary to equip her as a mighty oak of righteousness on the earth today. Guys, we need to stop for a moment. We need to stir ourselves up to seek God with all of our hearts, to see his power manifested in this singular and, 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 and even in our corporate lives. But it all starts with you. If you do your part, when we come together, the synergy will be even so much greater, so much greater. God provides everything that you and I need to be victorious in this walk. We are responsible, again, to receive his gifts and to cooperate with his spirit in the use of the gifts. The onus of how they work and what's going, not so much how they work, but the onus of them flowing is on us. Are you making yourself available? Or is your busy day filled with so much stuff that you don't have time to hear or to listen to what the Spirit's saying? What does it look like? What does it really look like when someone who typically isn't in that lane, but all of a sudden they stop? They're listening to the Spirit of God and they do something they normally wouldn't do. What happens? Well, you're about to find out. Todd Moran. Good morning, everybody. I bring my wife to give me a little bit of support, and also she's going to play a role in this. So um, I had a spirit-led encounter here last week, and uh, I told my wife is just how Doug found out, and that's why I'm here today. So last week, my son and I uh, took a road trip to uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, we were going there to meet uh, Rebecca's sister. And we decided that maybe Hermiston might be a good point to kind of jump off the road halfway up there and uh, take a rest, because uh, we weren't meeting till Saturday. So Friday night, we pulled into Hermiston. And I went in, got the room, and... The, uh, the gal at the desk said that I wasn't actually in the main part of the hotel. We were in an annex out back. And so grabbed the truck and trailer and drove out to the back there. And we were bringing all of our stuff in, suitcases and whatnot, into the small little lobby that there's just a little seating area there. And when I entered into the lobby, I, there was a lady that was uh, sitting in the chair and I always am pretty open to saying hi uh, to people. And so I did so. I said hi as I'm carrying my stuff and I'm just focused on getting to my room. 
And uh, I was hit immediately with, uh, no, you need to ask her how she's doing. And uh, without even uh, pausing to ask myself, why should I do that? I just did it and uh, said, how you doing? And the lady looked up at me and she said, it's funny you should ask me that. I just buried my daughter today. So <laughs> what do you do with that? And I've always heard Doug say, have something ready to go because you never know when that moment's going to be. So my son just kept on walking. He said, Dad, I heard you say that, and I heard her answer. And he said, you bit off more than you can chew, so I'm just going to keep walking. So I asked her, I said, uh, is it okay if I pray for you? And uh, she said, yeah, that's fine. So I went over and I prayed for her, and I promise you that it was not a Billy Graham prayer, but it was what I had for her you know, in that moment. So said a prayer for her. I don't remember everything I said, a lot of stuff about compassion and uh, just bringing just uh, that feeling of uh, that he's with her and with the family and, you know, but I don't remember everything. And so finished, we went on about our trip and, you know, I thought about her and how she was doing throughout the trip. And um, she shared with me a few things about her daughter's passing, that her age and that she had four kids between the age of four, I think, and 17. And uh, she was there to kind of take up, you know, with the kids and take them home. She lived in Montana. So when I, uh, we finished our trip, we got home and I had shared with Rebecca about, you know, the encounter with her and uh, later that, before I went back to work, I was just thinking about, I wonder if I can do a little research and find out a little bit more about what happened, because she didn't share the details and I didn't ask. And so I started looking up, um, you know, a, a death of a 39-year-old uh, woman in Hermiston. And I found her obituary uh, in the paper, or in the online, and I started uh, reading it and seeing that she was actually from the North uh, California coast. And so at work, I've got a friend who's from that same area. She's about, I think, the same exact age as this, this gal that passed away. And so when I went into work Tuesday, I went to her and I said, uh, do you happen to know this lady that passed away? And she said, no, I don't know her, but um, let me see if I've got any common friends on Facebook. Well, it turns out she had four common friends with her mom, Shelly, the lady that I prayed for. And so uh, one of them was her aunt uh, that knew her. And so I just asked her, hey, I've got some meetings this morning, but can you maybe see if you can get the phone number? And I just want to you know, send her a text and see how she's doing. And so I came out of my meeting, and I had a phone number on a sticky note, and said, here it is. So I sent her a text, and tried not to appear like I was a total stalker. So Rebecca's going to read the response to my text as if she's Shelly. So I said, hey, Shelly, it's Todd Moran, the guy who prayed for you with, uh, or with you in Hermiston. Small world that I knew someone who knew someone who knows you. I said, you have been on my heart since the day, since that day. I just wanted to reach out and check on you and your family. Continue prayers for you, for comfort and peace for you. God bless you, Todd. So it's a little bit longer. I'll let Rebecca read it. All right. He gave me the hard part. 
And this, he was given permission um, for us to read this. So her response was, this is so much more than you realize. After you prayed with me, I felt something. I mean, I was literally stuck in that chair in that hotel and could not get up, could not think or feel. I truly thought my soul was dying. Then you came out of nowhere and took the time to see my pain. You prayed with me. That prayer at that very second, I promise you, gave me strength in a way I cannot describe. And then again this morning, I woke up hysterical crying, hurt and angry, not knowing what to do, and my phone rings. I don't know why I answered, but I did, and it was my sister-in-law asking me if I had ran into someone in Herbenston that might be trying to reach out. She told me she got a call from someone asking if she knew me and if I lost my, grand, my daughter in Hermiston and a man was trying to reach out. She called me to relay the message. I knew immediately it was you. I want to thank you. I cannot find the words to tell you how much. You know, I started feeling angry with God. I felt like he didn't care, but I was wrong. You have showed me different. I mean, it goes so deep. I've spent so many nights praying for God to help my daughter with her addiction, and I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I was literally on my knees crying with prayer. And then we lost her to overdose. So I was angry that God didn't listen. But I was wrong. He is listening. I hope I don't sound like a crazy person. I hope this makes sense to you and you understand how much this has made an impact on me and has helped me. So with that being said, thank you with my whole heart and soul, and God bless. So I wrote back to her and I said, I don't think you're crazy at all. I am blessed that you, I was able to be used by God in that moment to bless you. It was a total God thing, believe me. I will usually say hello to people, but was struck in that moment to go further and to ask you how you were doing. I am so happy I could help you in any way during such a tragic time in your life. It's good. It is apparent God wants to comfort you through this. Thank you for sharing your story and feelings with me. And then she talked to me about um, sharing with other people, and she said, keep praying for my grandbabies. We all need it. And I said, not at all. I said, my wife, my wife is at home crying right now. She called her pastor, and now I'm speaking Sunday. <laughs> so she said, please, please do. So, you know, uh, honoring her request, um, that is what we did. So that's all I got. Do you see how this unfolded? Yeah. Word of knowledge. There was something deeper, and he stopped and he listened. He, Todd could have blown it off, and this could have went a whole different route. Yeah. But he made himself available. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Made himself available. We all can do this. There are so many broken, wounded, hurting people around us. But if you just stop and listen to what God wants to do and how God wants to use you, 
You can bring healing. This is the beginning of healing for this lady and her family. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to share one more thing in oh, that yeah. regard that, you know, at work, it's been a really tough week for a lot of us at work, but I've been sharing this throughout uh, the week and everybody that I tell it to is just in tears and they're, thanks for that, you know, but, you know, the, the, my friend that uh, helped me out with this project by, fi you know, finding Shelly in Montana with her number said that it brought her closer to God yeah. and uh, she's really used it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. Obedience. Stop listening to the drone of the world. Start listening to the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's pray for this family. Yeah, Shelly. Shelly. Well, you guys want to stand in for Shelly? And, and let's all stand. Extend a hand if you would. Wow. Father, we lift Shelly up to you. Mm. Father, what a journey. But Father, you're the only one that can bring her that peace and that understanding and that ability to navigate these waters without going off the edge. You're the only one, God. And Father, we just pray right now, we lift her and her entire family, the children, all of them up to you. And we pray that with the children, God, you would protect their tender hearts. And Father, that uh, they wouldn't be jaded as they move into the future. And Father, I just pray that somehow through all of this, God, you would shine the brightest. You would be known uh, the most. Oh, thank you, God. And we just pray that uh, perhaps this is the beginning of a, a new relationship where Todd and Rebecca can reach out even farther beyond this city to uh, other cities, Lord. Mm. We just thank you, God. And I thank you for Todd's heart and his willingness to just listen. <laughs> I pray for more adventures like this for him, God. <laughs> and I just pray, God, too, for what he does and who he is in this community, just a hedge of protection around him the staff, everybody involved in Todd's life, just super high walls, Lord, of protection. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. wow. Well, I think we have reached that point of saturation. <laughs> I think it's time for us to go home and actually practice what we're hearing. So, how many are challenged to put this into practice? Yeah, yeah. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for all the hearts here that are attentive to what you're saying, what you're speaking, and what you're doing. And God, I pray that they would continue to fall in love with the things that you love. And Father, I'm confident you love people. So, Father, I just pray that you would put us on this week in a unique and special way. And when we return next week, we would have amazing testimonies to that power, God, of you flowing in us and through us as we simply made ourselves available. And we just thank you now, and we all said, Amen. Amen. God